this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. clog the drain, uh, the kitchen drain, after it goes past the garbage disposal? Um, I, I haven't personally. I can't say that I have, no, but I have seen it done. My sister almost, uh, we joke, we say that she almost ruined um, or did ruin Thanksgiving because she, a uh, long time ago, peeled all the potatoes into the garbage disposal oh, and no. then ran, ran the garbage disposal. And that just turns it into like a starchy paste. <laughs> <laughs> it's like glue. Yeah, pretty much. So it was just a funny, um, uh, you know, thing to tease your sibling about. Yeah. So unfortunately, that's literally until 20 minutes ago. That's mm-hmm. what I was dealing with. You've been elbow deep in your garbage disposal? No, because it's past the garbage disposal. So actually what I had to do is luckily the way this house is set up that on the other side of the wall outside, there's an out, there's a out for the drain or for the, for the piping. Yeah. But it had moved past that too. (laughs) Now I, I, I probably speak for, you know, not just myself, but anybody listening to this, what were you putting in your drain? Uh, this was, it wasn't actually me, but um, so there's like this packaged chicken thing, but it was all small little pieces and it went through the garbage disposal. But mm. the problem here is this house is, you know, it's, it's haunted. Been, well, no, it's been here since 1964 and those are the original pipes. So, you know, 50, 60 years of just shit. That slowly right. lines the pipes. The two-inch uh, pipe slowly becomes a one-inch pipe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like an artery. Yeah. Just plaqued up. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Have you ever had to do that? Un- un- unplug one of these things? It's uh, I mean, disgusting business. Right. Well, I mean, I just see the stuff that just comes out of just, you know, normal sink cleaning. I can imagine, you know, decades worth. Well, let's just say that... 
Especially what, kitchen sinks. What happens to food in your gut right. is the exact same thing that happens to food in a pipe. Well, yeah, because I think all, you know, depending on what you're putting down that sink, you know, you got acids going down there, citric acids, you know, you got all that stuff. So it's, I mean, I've vomited down my kitchen sink a few nights. So even you have some stomach acids going down there. It happens. Oh, well, cool. yeah. And what, what comes out doesn't look much different than what comes out of a human. Well, no, it definitely doesn't smell much different. Except, uh, I will say this, uh, it's black. Like, yeah. So if you go to the if you go to the Instagram, you can see all, there's a. By the way, um, Lam and I mentioned this on the last episode. We're using the Instagram at random badassery. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, we said we don't need to say at symbol anymore. Right, right. R- random badassery, all one word, as visual aids for this show. So you can follow along. Sometimes we'll be putting stuff up as we're going. Yeah. It's going to be random. Yes. <laughs> but there will be stuff that we can point to in the show sometimes. I Like if there's stuff I know that I'm going to talk about or might yeah. might talk about, I put stuff... I have, have our interns put up stuff for us. But if you go to the last picture I posted, there's a device that I will go to in a, go to in a minute. When you go to the second picture, you can see the black stuff that looks like pottery soil. That's pipe poop. Yeah, looking at right now, all of both these things, uh, the first picture and then the red thing and the second one, all look like things you can put up your butt. Yep. Well, the second thing is actually a pipe wrench, so I don't think you want to put a pipe wrench up your ass. Well, but I you mean, could. Just without zooming in, it just looks like a... Red you know, dildo. Yeah. <laughs> a and clamp on a, red dildo. <laughs> and that hose over there, I can go up your butt. And then there's a uh, suspicious looking silt in the background, yeah. Yeah, it looks but, like your butt. But uh, yeah, so you, so th- what you see, that's actually not a hose down there. That's actually a snake. Oh. So what I first I had to do, you, unfortunately, I didn't get the, the pipe in the picture, but it's right behind on the ground behind that pipe wrench. But it's about, it's about two inches wide. So you open it up, you know, you spin that out. You got to use the pipe wrench because it's got a square head on it. And then you shove this snake in there, which is just a really, really firm piece of wire. But it's about as thick as rebar. Problem is, is if... So literally on the other side of that is the sink. So when you push in there, you're pushing towards the sink. But pipe comes down and it goes at a right angle, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when it goes at a right angle, that's going out to sewage. That's where everything you put down your drain goes. Well, if your clog is not between where you are and the sink, there's no way to tell that little snake to go left. (laughs) <laughs> to make a ninety degree left turn, um, there are some fancier ones that you can spin that you can try to trick it into going there. But I don't have that one. This one is—I mean, this was my grandfather, so it's probably from nineteen nineteen fifty something. So then I had to go get the butt plug that you see in the first picture. Uh, I didn't say the package. I can't remember what the hell this thing's called, but this thing is incredible. So what you do with this thing is you stick that thing into the hole and you just <laughs> it's uh, there's so much so much uh, of plumbing is suspiciously like talking about but well, I mean it is all it, it is all plumbing. It is all plumbing some way or the other. Uh but you don't nobody gets any pleasure out of playing with kitchen plumbing. Hey man, don't kink shame. <laughs> Somebody there's something out there for everybody. <laughs> this is not something you would want to put there. Once I tell you what it does. <laughs> so on 
the left end where the bracket, you know, where the metal part is, obviously that screws onto the hose. Mm-hmm. The other end, there's a small hole, mm-hmm. which shoots out water. Mm-hmm. But the black part, so you're shoved, you shove this up as far as you can with the hose attached to it <laughs> until you can't push it any further. <laughs> and then you turn the hose on full power. Full now, power. what that, that black thing does is it expands. Of course it does. Because you want that all the way up against the walls of the pipe. Yeah, it gets engorged. Yes. Now, if you did that inside of yourself, you would die. <laughs> like a dog. <laughs> but theoretically, this should stop water from coming back at you. So now you can send the full force of the hose down the pipe, and hopefully it pushes, in my case, chicken to sewage. That's brilliant. Or, or one time we had uh, artichoke. Somebody put an artichoke in the disposal. Somebody was me, actually. Um <laughs> <laughs> I was like vegetables. It's a vegetable. It'll grind up. Yeah, no, yeah just, just like potatoes. It's it's nothing but fiber. It's like putting rope down there. Yeah, yeah. But this whoever invented this thing, I don't know what the hell it's called. I know how to find it <laughs> in Home Depot because I went to buy it. But that thing is brilliant. I mean, we I put it in there, turn on the hose, sat there for we'll say a minute and a half, and then all of a sudden the sound in in the the pipe is different. Yeah, I know. Yeah, right. you start getting a different tone. A little bit yeah, something's tone. moving, and it's all good now. After, and that black stuff is just the foulest shit ever. And it's if you look at my thumb in that picture, it's under my thumbnail. Yeah, oh yeah, the whole picture has a kind of like a bluish, uh, kind of weird tinge to it. Yeah, shit tinge. <laughs> tinge of shit. And, and it's just it's. Oh, I didn't take it. I did take a picture, but I didn't put it up. But you see that silt in that second picture. Imagine yeah. that times, we'll say seven. Mm-hmm. That's how much came out. And when you wash that from there, it doesn't dissipate. So you're just moving that black yeah. slowly from one place to another, and then you hope that it dries out in the sun. And you could move it again. It's a lot of fun. Everybody should clog their drains right now. <laughs> just don't don't it, call this me. This is why you keep up with pipe maintenance. Mm. Best part about that little butt plug thing, though, is it's only twelve bucks. Oh, plus twelve dollars to solve a very, very difficult problem. If you go to one of those specialty uh, bathhouses, it'll cost you way more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll go home with hemorrhages and everything. <laughs> it's funny how, like, almost seems like every time that you know we record, like the the day leading up to it, some type of conversation I have, kind of oddly ties in whether it's directly or just kind of you know um jokingly directly um we're just having a conversation today about uh bidets and oh. um the magic of the bidet but also to the uh the fear of the bidet um because of the you know the the chance for mess like there's an opportunity <laughs> for you to misguide wait, 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 you before you go any further tell people who don't know what a bidet is what a bidet is bidet is pretty much it's uh like if you took the bowl of the toilet and then stuck a power washer hose right in the middle of it in the bottom and pointed it at your bottom um and it's you know we're trying to figure out if the the order is you know do you okay you poop and then do you wipe a day and then wipe again because that's now you're just adding in more toilet paper and that's just wasteful or do you poop and then do you try to you know power wash everything off and then just a little you know dry off with the a little pat pat um or like what's 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 the right way to do it because i've never used one 
I think it's and, I think it's wash and then dab. Okay, that makes that makes sense to me. Um, you might have drip dry in there, but it's like <laughs> you know, I, I can see I can see the uh, wanting to like kind of do a, a a prime wipe first. You know, it's like rinsing off the dishes before you put them in the dishwasher, right? Um, because like, what if you got a really bad one and it's like there's a lot to do down there? It's like you want to kind of like am I conserving water? Am I conserving toilet paper? Which one's more important right now? Yeah, I think um, you don't want to think of the the bidet so much as a as a dishwasher, so much as a power washer. Right. You don't wash the driveway before you turn on the power washer. You which just is, turn on the power washer. Which is my point of, you know, there's a, a huge margin for error on a bidet um, because you, uh, you know, if you're not used to it or you're not positioned right, you have a chance of walking out of the bathroom soaked. Well, having, I've only used one once. And when I was in, in France, of course, mm-hmm. where they're very popular, right. um, it's not as strong as you think it is. Well, I just my somewhere my, between a power washer and a water fountain. Well, because I'm not talking so much as far as like you know, uh, like the intensity and the power behind. But my first introduction to a bidet uh, was growing up and watching Crocodile Dundee. And when he comes to New York for the first time, and he's left in his apartment or his, uh, you know, I guess it's an apartment, his little hotel room apartment for the first time, and he's kind of poking around, and he gets to the bathroom, and he sees what looks like two toilets. And he starts playing with the nozzle, and all of a sudden, this stream of water, like a water fountain, just starts <laughs> going higher and higher, like over his head. Yeah, and it's like you have to. I mean, are you sitting there, like, kind of gazing down between your legs while you're doing it, trying to, like, you know? I think your eyes are usually curling back because it feels. feels well, that's good. the other thing that came up in conversation was like, it's the fear of like, is it going to tickle a lot? I'm like, well, have you ever used a, you know? What's the worst could happen? You shit yourself. <laughs> well, yeah, no. It's like, well, that's the other thing. Is is what does the bidet have its own like built in toilets that like? What if you poop into the bidet? Well, it has. Yeah, is, there, well, is there is there a, like a big enough? Is the it bidet what? is like a the bidet is some sometimes the bidet is part of the toilet. It's the same thing sometimes. Nowadays, I think that would make sense where people like add in. You know, I think they make those where it's like a. Um, but it does have a drain. Well, but I mean, just we're a talking smaller traditional, hole. Bidet. traditional bidet. Is it equipped and set up? It's like, hey, we're not meant for this. Get this out of here. You're supposed to do that in fucking Charlie next door. Um, so I'm it's, wondering. It's, it's got holes like, um, it's just got a smaller hole. I mean, it's really, in a lot of ways, it's like a water fountain. Right. But so as I'm saying, if you pooped into the bidet, are you in trouble? I mean, is, is that there more of that, is that? Is that more work? Because like, if it's not equipped to take a poop and to, you know. You know. I'm not positive. Yeah. But this, this would no. be the one time where like if we actually like asked people to send us in things. Please explain to me. Because you know please please send Tom on his Instagram, not on the random bed. <laughs> your experience send me, is with send me all of your bidets, bidet. everything you know about bidets. Um I feel like there should we should be able to make up a fake word between like accident and the word bidet. I just can't put it together yet. Like mm-hmm. bid accident. No. No. I'll look it up. I'll the diarrhea. Oh, <laughs> oh. Uh, that's a stretch. Um, it is a stretch. Let's see here. But uh, no, because I was trying to say, if like you've never used one, the closest thing I could get to, because I mean, I, I feel like my whole, um, you know, claiming I haven't used one or not, I, I'm aware of what the sensation would be. I have a detachable shower head. That I can change to like, you know, because it's like, oh, no, it's one stream. Well, I can change it to where it's one stream. 
And then it's, you know, kind of the same idea. It's the same kind of sensation. It's the same kind of uh, process and outcome. Um, but I just feel like the, the sitting there still fully clothed and the danger of one wrong move and I got a big soak streak going up my back or, uh, you know. <laughs> I, but I it think... turns out, apparently, there's uh, shower heads that I wasn't aware of that have like hose attachments for home enema uh, usage. No kidding. Apparently. And now I... I, it's nice that you are shocked by this as well because now we're not alone. I mean, not to uh, terrify everybody, but let's go further into this poop conversation. Um, <laughs> um, I've I've only done uh, I've never done an enema. Neither have I. I'm so curious though, because um, number one, I mean, obviously, like yeah, you, you want to clean something every once in a while, like like your pipes. A, yeah, it's a little a little strange, you know. Like yeah, once the pipe two inch pipe becomes a one inch pipe after yeah. years yeah. of non maintenance, I'm sure it's the same in the human body. I'm sure that's why my gut is always so bloated. My pipes are clogged up. I need to get cleaned out. Maybe maybe we should give you like an assignment. Like for the week, you need to go and you need to have an enema. <laughs> <laughs> and then report back. <laughs> I don't know if I can squeeze like, that in work. this week, but it's possible. Uh, those... those those would be if the, like, this was our full time job. Those would be the type of things that we would do. Like, all right, this week Tom gets an enema. Mm. <laughs> Tune in next week for the exciting conclusion to Tom gets colonic. <laughs> Actually, so I, just, I don't know what the difference between those two is. Do, are are do you colonic and enema? Um, well, I, I'm. Uh, I don't. I don't know the 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 the. the the dictionary definition of the two. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to look that up right now. After I've already searched, can you poop in a bidet? I hope you're not using Google. Uh, it's uh, Safari. So Apple, Google. No, it's Google. Uh, they're, they're tracking you. They know all about your poop problems now. And probably the camera is probably looking at me. That's why I switched all my Safari stuff to DuckDuckGo. Like, nobody needs to know the weird shit that I search, usually for this show, by the way. Hey, <laughs> I guarantee you, there's people out there searching much weirder shit than me, wondering. Yes, but I don't want them to know the weird shit I'm searching. I don't care about everybody else. But I don't do enough <laughs> for any of this stuff to matter to these people. Like, they're not That's what you think, but you're probably like the prime target for them because they're like, how do we get him? They're not going to get me. It's not going to work. How do it's we not going to happen. They don't know that. They don't know that. Yeah, I don't know. You oh, yeah. might know that, but they don't know that. Colonic. I mean, how do we get him to switch to an Android phone? Mm. It's not going to happen. Make the interface just like an iPhone and then... And make Apple make it. Yeah. <laughs> have Apple make the goddamn... <laughs> like, how can we get him to use an Android phone? If we had Apple make the phone, I think he might buy it. Okay, so here we go. Animals. Dun, dun, dun. Enemas involve a one-time infusion of water into the colon. By contrast, colonics, also known as colonic hydrotherapy or irrigation, involve multiple infusions. What's more, the main objective of an enema is to evacuate the lower colon, while colonics uh. are meant to clean, uh, cleanse a larger portion of the bowel. Ooh. That's what I thought. It was a depth thing. So no. it's like colonics is kind of like, uh, it's like an exercise or, you know, it's like jazzercise. Like I got to go in for my colonic this week. Whereas Anima, you're like, got a problem. Anima's like calling a plumber. Yeah, Anima's just a, you know, 
Oh, there's a, a hair, you know, hairball built up on the top, you know, by the little dropper stopper. You pull that out and you get that yourself. Kalonic, you got to go in and see a trainer. Kalonic is like having somebody go in and like, it's like having your chimney cleaned. It's like, yeah, seeing the, seeing the, uh, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Chim- I mean, these are all great, you know, comparisons because the same thing happens to a chimney. You know, yeah, that, and that black stuff that came out today yeah. looked a lot of what, like, what comes out. And when you don't clean out your chimney and that buildup happens and that, you know, four foot wide chimney turns into a two foot wide chimney, that stuff's all flammable and that shit will burn your house down. You know, it's ironic that we start a show talking about shit when I'm pretty sure most of our audience, and there's a, at least 70% of our audience is female. <laughs> <laughs> so <they> probably <laughs> all just went nope. Like here's dudes talking about poop again. Wonderful. <laughs> Who do you think I was talking about poop with earlier? Dudes. Nope. Really? Yeah. Was it your thought, Tiana? <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, a, that's the one thing about having the Instagram thing where I'm like, hmm. Yeah, you gotta go and see that. If you haven't gone checked out, you don't understand what Chad's talking about. You gotta go well, one of the things for me that's entertaining, by the way, um, it's posts from all three of us that the interns put up for us. Yes. Um, so sometimes I have to guess. I'm like, was that Lamb or Tom that put that that that, that post pertains to? That one I'm, I know it was you. Obviously, that came from me. Yeah. But yeah, there's no one knows or wants to know what it is that we are referring to and doesn't have your Instagram handy or your phone. Uh, glued to your face. Tough uh, shit. No, just kidding. <laughs> back with the shit again. Um, oh, damn it. Let's see. Okay, let me pull it up real quick. I have it in front of me. Um, I need a girl who I can have an intelligent conversation with. Thought Tiana. T-O-U-G-H-T-I-N-A. Yes. I, like thoughts. And I-A-N-A. Sorry. I-N-A. Yeah, yeah man. That's, that's where it's all at. That's that where it's at. down with. I liked that one. I was like, ah. Did you search for that or did you type that up yourself? That was sent to me. Interesting. So this this thing is it's it's becoming a meme beyond a meme. Yeah, except for me, it's all coming from the same person. The same. Ah. <laughs> uh, okay. It's your your thought Tiana source. <laughs> I got a source in the streets that's keeping me tapped in to your thought Tiana dealer. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ask that question. You know, if things become um, squirrely in your brain, or if you become depressed or unsure about who you might be as a person, um, the best thing you can do is to be vulnerable and ask the questions. It's interesting. Um, that's something we've talked about before: interviewing people in your life and asking them questions like that. You know, um, how do I show up? How do I show up for you in your life? Um, what What do you see as my strengths? What do you see as my weaknesses? It's brutal. Um, it's, like you said, you have to find the right people. But it can be... Uh, you got to be in the right mindset for it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You got to be ready for it, definitely. But also what comes up is, you know, you said um, you weren't the person... You weren't being the person uh, you thought you were being, that you hadn't changed, you know, th- that, that, that type of feeling. And that goes back to something that I said in the last episode you and I recorded together. Um, that question that's so important to me right now is what patterns am I repeating? Because if you're repeating patterns, um, they could be healthy patterns. That's a good thing. You should know that. But if they're not, if they're non-progressive patterns or if they're negative patterns, you also need to know those because those are things that prevent you from growing. Um, 
you know, for example, uh, like uh, I think I told the story before about uh, my sister, how she used to always be late for everything, just completely um, more than like five minutes. And sometimes she'd be like hour and a half late for things, um, everything. And it was a pattern that was repeating in her life that she had never paid attention to. And when we go through the whole story, but she changed it. And because she started realizing what that was like for other people. And it, the, when you start looking at those patterns, you see the kind of what this... So the article that I've referenced a few times um, as we were talking about some of the stuff is called... Oh, sorry, my browser needs to come back up since the computer closed. It's called, of course, had to have my favorite word in it. Who the fuck am I? Uh, the Ultimate Guide <laughs> to Personal Values. It's written by a guy named Mark Manson. I, there's no cheek support. It's just like if you took a toilet, if someone doesn't, if anybody listening has not seen a bidet. We're going to have to put a picture of the bidet up. I'm, I've, got some, I've, got some awesome, I've got some awesome animations here in front of me of a crash test dumby sitting on a bidet backwards. Go off one of the things I was going to say. But he, there's, there's five steps to um, reevaluating or changing. And the first is um, a value of yours has to fail. Something has to fall apart because mm. most of us aren't smart enough to notice um, before something breaks. Um, and I think that that more than anything is the most important thing to keep in mind as, as Jeff Johns or whoever is heading up these things is to remember why people go to these things. It's about finding why they watch these things and fulfilling that in them. And I think that's what the Marvel Universe, for the most part, has done a very good job with. Yeah. Particularly with the Avengers, you know, like even go back to Spider-Man, you know, like they say, uh, I saw this list the other day. It's like top 25 comic book movies of all time. I didn't agree with over half of it, but one of the ones in there, which I don't agree with, they said like the number three movie of all time was Spider-Man 2. I didn't like Spider-Man 2 that much, but there's a super cheesy scene in that movie. And that super cheesy scene when he's on the train and all the people, they're lifting him up. Um, it's cheesy. It's completely hokey. But I remember getting the feels when I was watching it because the music was right and all that. And looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, that seems cheesy. But when I was in it, it was that comic book feeling. It yeah, was that. Actually, I, I actually really liked that scene. Um, that scene, in a lot of senses, made that movie for me. Um, I Yeah, I agree with you. I thought it was only an okay movie, but that scene was definitely very... It, it gave you that sense of that, that sense of hero worship that comic books... Are, are intended to give you. And it's one of the few moments in comic book movies that actually gave me that feeling. Exactly. It's like um, uh, my friend Ian and I were talking on Facebook and the Avengers Age of Ultron, that beginning of that movie is like one of my favorite comic book movie beginnings um, just because it's the closest to the action that you see on the page, in my opinion. Sure. And And he mentioned the part where they're all running and there's that like almost freeze frame where they're all moving in slow motion. Mm-hmm. And it's the most epic comic book feeling ever, where you're like, "Here's the heroes." Yeah, yeah, and that I, I promise you, that was meticulously crafted for that particular frame. <laughs> and and that's and that's the thing that I'm talking about. More than anything, not that you should replicate those things over and over again because then it'll get old. But the core of what those those scenes do is they touch on why we read comic books. Sure, and that's important. But going while we're still in comic books, it's kind of nice to go to comic books early instead of late this time. But uh, have you heard about Captain America? Um, no, I. Considering how you just said that, I'm fairly certain I haven't heard. <laughs> um, 
this goes into the idea of reality and heroes. Um, I'm not sure how to break this to you. And if anybody doesn't want to know what's going on in the Captain America comic books right now, you should probably skip about five minutes ahead. So apparently, and this is real, this is not a gimmick, they're going to play this out. Captain America has always been a sleeper for Hydra. He is not a hero. What? Yep. Captain America is a traitor. Oh, man. I don't know how I feel about that. That's huge. Wait, are we, let's, let's, let's figure that, let's, let's go through this real quickly, though. Captain America, Steve Rogers, Captain America, or Steve Barnes, Captain America? Oh, well, actually, currently, right now, um, what's his name? Falcon is Captain America. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers has always been a sleeper, and there's a, there's a huge meme going around of this shot of Captain America with a speech bubble coming out of his mouth that are people putting whatever they want into the speech bubble but the speech bubble from the comic says hail hydra oh man i don't know how i feel about that it's so upsetting but i i think it's brilliant i think it's brilliant to to take and i think that they're gonna they're gonna be able to do something here that maybe no comic book has ever done and really dig into this idea of what we all thought what we all needed like uh, all of the all of the all of the people who read these books, all of the people who love these characters, um, they're going to feel betrayed in the way that you, all the characters in these books are going to feel betrayed. Yeah. I think it's a genius stroke. I, I don't know that I feel comfortable with it. It makes me feel awful. Yeah. But I think it's genius. Oh, man. I have a friend in particular who is such a huge Captain America fan. I got I to gotta text him later to find out if he's, if he's okay. <laughs> Apparently they've been planning this since 2014. Wow, that's crazy. I, and because Steve Rogers, uh, God, we're so many spoilers for people on this. Steve Rogers actually dies at some point, so he dies in the same way that Superman dies. In that you know he's not dead, um, but you know it, it's it's. I feel like they needed to to take Goody Two Shoes characters like Superman or, or or Captain America and severely twist their stories. Like I think that's part of the reason why. The Injustice um, alternate universe was created over in the DC side where, um, you know, Joker, the Joker gets Superman to accidentally kill Lois Lane. And so um, Superman goes into this this crazy rage um, and then essentially turns the world into a police state run by him, which I thought was pretty interesting as well. That's actually something they touched on briefly in the Justice League cartoon. They, they had an episode where something like that happened. Oh, really? Interesting. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I think that that's, that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. And I'm curious of whether that will bleed into the movies. I don't know that, um, what's his name? Chris Evans. I don't know that he's going to be playing Captain America for much longer. Seems like these guys do about two Avenger movies and three of their individual movies and they're out, Yeah, which, which is understandable. I mean, you can't play a character for your whole life. Everybody can't be Fraser Crane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has Kelsey Grammer gotten much work since then? He he did what like twenty years as one character. I mean, there's there's if you add in the Cheers years, it's probably closer to thirty actually. Yeah, because it was I think it was fourteen seasons of Frasier, and then all of the years as on Cheers. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's shocking. I mean, that's that's three decades worth of same dude. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah, I mean, there's the, in 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 the the history of television or movies. I don't think there's been a person that's played the same character other than the Harry Potter kids. But that's individual movies versus you know weeklies on a TV show for 
God, three decades. That's that's insane. Right. All right. Well, let's go into some of the stuff you got here. You're going to have to lead the way on these because I don't know what your notes mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of write them in fever dream mode while I'm it's been such a long week. Um, I'm still dealing with health stuff and now new stuff is kind of cropping up like, um, you know, now I have like weird uncontrollable stomach aches and I'm, I'm, that scares the crap out of me. So I've got to go into the doctor to find out what the heck's going on there. Make sure uh, that um, they from my personal experience, make sure that they give you a scan. Mm-hmm. because everything else is guessing up to that point. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 a good idea. Um, have you seen any of the uh, OK Go videos? I seem to remember the treadmill one. Yeah, that was the first, but they have gone so much bigger since then. <laughs> Um, I, I will, I will, I will, I will send links to all of them in, in various forms. It's basically what they remind me of. I mean, you, you know, our friend Matt, um, it's like what Matt would do with music videos if he were given an, an unlimited budget and a crazy amount of time. So, um, I've been diving down the rabbit hole just because I've been, I've been kind of saddened by creativity lately and that I haven't, you know, especially on the, the, the popular side, which is the, the side that I have access to right now. Um, there hasn't been much that's really interested me and, and I find that to be pretty depressing. So they are the exception to the rule. Um, and I, I guess this is a whole separate discussion in the sense that, um, good art or good music, um, is, is, is requires work to find. And I wish that it didn't. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the essential idea of all these discovery engines and all these things they're giving us where it's like, Oh, here. And I understand Going back to the Google thing, I understand why some people find it appealing to have their data mined because it would solve a problem like what you're talking about. Oh, Lamb likes this kind of art. Let's make sure he sees this at least a few times a week. Sure. And that is a beautiful part part of the whole idea. But maybe it should be hard. Maybe finding things that are valuable should be difficult. And maybe that's part of why they're valuable. Yeah, I agree with that. I just, I, I just am at a point in my life now where I just don't have the time to find it, and it bums me out that I have to settle for mediocre, decent, popular stuff versus, um, you know, excellent, uh, very creative stuff. Like it, you're right, it just requires work, and I, I, in my the current state of my life, I just don't have the time to go out there and find it. I wish I did. Well, I think one of the big problems that we have in reality that no generation before us has had is we are so tied to the idea of consumerism in the sense that uh, we feel like we are not being exposed to enough things if we're not getting enough new stuff there's nothing wrong with just continually looking at the good stuff that you've already found yeah that's and, true and just you know like if you have 20 good albums and 20 good movies on your shelves well and 20 good books what more do you really need for a couple of years? Go back and watch them over and over again. Like, you know, I think that that's, that's something we have to keep reminding ourselves. And I don't think that we do enough repeat visits to things. Sure. Everything we know is like skin deep. You know, reading a book once, you don't really know a book if you've only read it once. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not until like the third read that you really start getting a book. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, it's, it's funny that you say that because, um, you know, um, the, the stuff that I really do, like I do consume over and over and over again, like crystal has 
um, what we refer to as one-time movie amnesia, um, where she will watch a movie, even if it's a movie she really likes, if I could ask her about that movie a year later and she won't remember a thing about it, you know what I mean? Versus my consumption of movies where if I really like a movie, I will watch it two, maybe three times and remember every detail. <laughs> you know, individual quotes, just entire scenes. I, I have a sparkling memory for things that really inspire me. And I think that, that that's where I am right now. It's not necessarily that I want the new stuff. It's that I think I've evolved past some of the stuff that I've really liked. And I want I want that feeling. I don't think it's about the, the, the art itself. I don't think it's about the piece itself. I think it's it's about wanting that feeling of seeing something that is so incredibly impressive that it inspires you. And I haven't, I feel like I just haven't been inspired in a while. Yeah. It's a difficult thing. You can't plan inspiration, right? Sure. I mean, the only thing you can do is set yourself up to be lucky, right? So just surround yourself with the right people and the right content and hopefully something will, will, will inspire you. Yeah. People's people's the main thing is somebody drops something that they think, Oh, here, I'm just I'm just going to mention this because it's interesting to me, and I really don't expect you to actually listen to what I'm saying, and then you actually do, and it could blow your mind. And that's always the way it is, you know. Somebody's like, "Oh, you should watch this movie," and you're like, "Yeah." Two months later, maybe you get around to watching that movie, and you're like, "Whoa, sure, this is incredible." Why did I wait two months to see this? Well, I think I think part of me blames Trump for this, um, and and blames. Um, the, the Sharks and the Warriors, I mean, because, you know, our local sports teams are doing extraordinarily well. Well, not the Warriors so much. Um, that, that series is kind of scary. But um, because our Facebook feeds are so inundated with those three topics, um, at least at least mine is, I rarely see anything that's creative or artistic on my, my Facebook feed these days. Um, and so, yeah, yet another thing to blame on Trump, um, you know, way to make all of my friends just mad. <laughs> That's and that I mean to be honest, that's not Facebook's not the place I go to look for anything. Sure, <laughs> Facebook is just full of stuff that I don't want to read. It's just that's the way that it's evolved. Um, I think that's why I've always preferred Twitter. But yeah. in the long run, I think that I just keep reminding myself to read more. It, the, the experience of reading a book, I don't have to worry about people commenting on every paragraph that I'm reading. Sure. And have you noticed, okay, speaking of Facebook and all this stuff, have you noticed a strange trend that when you mention that you like something, that somebody always, there's always somebody who has to pop in and tell you that they hate it? Sure. Yeah. Where, where does that come from? I mean, not that, not that discourse and, and conversation back and forth is a bad thing, but like, it seems like more so people pop in to tell you that they disagree with you, that they dislike something you've said, than people show up to agree with you. You know, if I were to say, um, hey, I actually liked Batman versus Superman, which I haven't seen, I would get more people telling me I was crazy than I would get people going, yeah, me too. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't know what the, the I think it kind of touches on the thing that we talked about last week, which is hate is kind of popular. Um, and I, I, I hate to draw the parallel to the political spectrum, but I think that there's a little bit of that going on just just overall is that there that that we're in a weird phase especially in social media where people have finally gotten to the point where they feel like it's okay to hate <laughs> and and so i think more and more people are doing that yeah i agree with you like there are things that i've done for um you know the facebook page for 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 uh one of the businesses i'm working with where 
people just feel like they they can have these these odd negative reactions that I just I, I I'm not used to seeing on social media. It's very strange. Yeah, it's something. I mean, we've talked about not we as in you and I, but we as a culture have talked about the idea of the ambiguity or the invisible nature of identity on the internet empowering people. But on Facebook, that doesn't exist. It's almost like the YouTube comment section, which was was notoriously brutal, I don't know if it still is, um, was a stepping stone for people. That they could go online and just rail against people and feel safe because nobody knew who they were. Sure. And, and now it's okay to do when people know who you are because you're not in the same room with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's still an inherent level of uh, antagonism. And to, for some people, like the really brutal people, a certain level of um, cowardice. Uh, but I, I just, I, I don't like the trend toward um, popular opinion focusing more on negative. It, it bothers me. It really does. Because I think that the, the ramifications of that are far reaching. Mm-hmm. That it bleeds into everything in our culture. You know, it's part of the reason why these days I kind of throw up my hands at social media. I just don't understand it anymore. You know, I don't I don't understand how I mean, for the last maybe six or seven years, it's just degenerated. Um, and I remember seeing, you know, posts from people who are just whining about negative stuff um, and, and whatever your problems are, they're real to you. So I'm not I'm not belittling the problem itself. But, you know, there, it, I I don't want to just continually read negative, negative, negative all the time. And I feel like if you if 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 we're surrounded by that for long enough then that becomes a certain expectation in our brains and i feel like it's gotten to that level not just with popular media but with social media too like that's 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 not far behind and so at least on a personal level now i just i have no idea i have no idea i, I would like to be social on social media you know i would love to be more more open and candid about what's going on in my life and 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 what i, I I, I, I'm doing or, or my challenges or my fears or whatever it is, but I don't want to open it up for democratic referendum. Like that's, that's just not the point. You know, that's, it's, it's not, I don't want to put it up there to, for it to be criticized or scrutinized or analyzed. You know what I mean? It's just my life. And I feel like, I feel like people haven't made that, that transition between regular conversation and social media conversation. Like if you wouldn't say it to a person's face, you probably shouldn't say it on Facebook, you know? Right. And if if you don't have the guts to say it to their face, then you definitely shouldn't say it on Facebook because that means you're a massive coward. So I, 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 I have difficulties with that just overall now. And it's the hardest thing about being a content creator is you can't swim in negativity. You can't continually read all of this negativity and be expected to go out there and create things and not have that bleed into the things that you create. Sure. And at the same time, for 24 hours. And you're exactly right. It changes your dynamic completely. I didn't know what to do with myself at first. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember just <laughs> like, what do I do? And I mean, I'm in a room that you guys can't see my room, but I have shelves of probably over 200 books. And some of our art books, and I'm surrounded by things to do. But because, uh, you know, we get used to this idea of something to do as being a passive activity. 
you know, where things are thrown at us, this program, this tweet, this image, all of these things, these videos, all of this is coming at us. We're not used to the idea of having to look for something. And that changes your dynamic completely with the world. And, and it's definitely doing it for 24 hours is extreme. I don't think a lot of people could do it. Um, but I w I'll go back to your, I think in a way this is very much related to your, in your pocket challenge. Because when you do either of these things, you're going to do exactly what Lamb's talking about there. You're going to have to find something to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what I discovered too when I was doing that is, oh my God, I waste so much time playing stupid games on my phone. You know, like I, in my mind, I'm thinking, I just pull these games out and I play for, you know, five, ten minutes. I probably pull them out and I play them for over an hour sure. because I'm watching something. I'm doing air quotes right now. I'm watching something on Netflix. I'm not really watching that either. So I'm doing two things that I'm not fully present to. That's another thing, too. When we multitask, we, we're not even present to the things that we're doing, whether they're in our phone or not. So what I found myself having to do is think of, oh, well, I guess I could do this. I could do this. And then all of a sudden I realized all of this time that I had that I didn't think I had. So I had this painting. You know, I've, I've probably mentioned on here before that I do self-portraits, paintings. I only do one a year. And it usually takes me a whole year to paint it because I don't paint it very often. Um and that's not out of laziness. It's just the way that I experience the photos. I like to have it be something that occurs over time. But what I found on that day was I sat down and I'm like, I could do a little bit of writing. I wrote for about an hour and a half, maybe two hours. And then I sat and I painted for probably a good three hours. Then I read for an hour. And then I went back to writing for another hour. And I did, I did about as much creative work in that one day which, by the way, felt relaxing. I didn't feel rushed in any way. I did as much work in that creative day as I would do in a whole week or maybe a month. Jeez. And it, that that shows you all these – so maybe a, an important – I would say maybe a challenge for you guys to – if I'm going to put out a challenge, which I haven't done before, is don't go find an app to do this. Just – do it in your head or do it on a piece of paper. I don't want to complicate things by having you guys spend two hours looking for the perfect app to do this because we do that. Keep track of how long you're actually doing things. When you sit down to play, I'm going to sound like an old man because I don't think anybody plays Angry Birds anymore, but when you sit down to play some game on your phone or when you sit down to read some stuff on Facebook, write down the time you sat down. And then when you finally close that app, Write down the time you finished and just pay attention to how much time you're actually eating away with everything, anything, even I want you to even just pay attention to how long you eat dinner. And when you see, I think you're going to start seeing some things are going to blow your mind. Like, oh, wow, I spend more time reading stuff that makes me angry on Facebook than I do eating my dinner. I totally do that. <laughs> so that's, that's my challenge is, uh, track yourself challenge oh man there's such a power to boredom though i mean there's so many so many things you you discover um like you know i i i learned how to tie knots the other night with a shoelace by my bed because i was i was bored and i i, I started to you know try try to figure out how to tie knots here's here's a fun one i i've never really understood what the nuances were in different chip flavors 
And so I had three different bags of chips with three different flavors, and I lined all three of them up, and I taste tested them very carefully because I was bored. <laughs> and and it's a and it's amazing how much how much detail goes into even crafting the the flavor of a chip. Like I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I I'm sure that everyone at least intuitively or subconsciously understands the difference, but try that sometime. Like, you know, try to, try to look at something that you take for granted, um, on a day to day basis and try it again. Like, you know, for example, try a cup of coffee and sip it really carefully and try to figure out what the different flavors are that make it up. You know, is there a hint of chocolate in it? You know, is there a hint of, of, of pine or, or, or rosemary, whatever it may be? Um, there's, there's so much little detail. There's so many tiny little things that we disregard because our, our lives are, are, are so occupied with things. Um, you know, the, the, in, in the moment of freeing up your brain to be able to see these things with more detail, you realize how much more nuanced the world is. Um, and it makes you, it makes you not, not necessarily appreciate things more, but it makes you appreciate the amount of time people put into something as simple as crafting a barbecue chip. You know what I mean? We as a creative community, not just this podcast, but the creative community of the world as a whole, talk a lot about the the power of the child's mind, especially when it comes to creative thoughts. And why a child's mind is so powerful is because doing the things that you're talking about are not ridiculous to them. That's (laughs) That's a natural thing for them. That that seems like something that that is worth the time, something that is valuable, and it's it's really just a matter of of reprioritizing what is important. So maybe doing those things seems ridiculous, but not why experiencing something would ever be thought of as ridiculous is baffling. And when you really start to think about it, you understand that we carry around these just mind-boggling beliefs about the world and we wonder why so many times we're miserable is because we limit ourselves to only miserable experiences. (laughs) (laughs) We've chosen that. Yeah, sure. Yes. We're building prisons for ourselves. Nobody else is doing it to us. You know, we complain about, um, social media, but we all know deep down inside that social media is not the problem. It's ourselves. It's how we deal with those things and our own weaknesses that make us susceptible to those, uh, addictions this is all all about how we use our brains and this i mean this is the the core of creativity going through an experience like that just checking out the taste of not even checking out to analyze the taste of chips if you're a short story writer you may have just found i mean think about stand by me how does stand by me start it starts with the pie eating contest yeah sure and it, it's a famous, famous scene. Well, if Stephen King had never gone to a pie-eating contest and never paid attention while he was at a pie-eating contest, he couldn't have started that story. Not the way that he started it because he wouldn't have that knowledge. Now Lamb has the ability to start a story or to use that at some point in the story about tasting potato chips. <laughs> so that might seem silly, but you're you're collecting things that are useful to you as a creative person. Sure. But they're also useful to you as a living human being. And uh, we have to get rid of that idea that things are silly or childish because the best thing that we could all be is children. Because, you know, in children with children wars end when the day when the lights go off, you know, when the sun goes down, the wars end for them. Sure. I mean, it's it it, it you know, you've talked about this in previous episodes too, but there's 
there's something to be said for, for going out and having experiences. And this is not to say, you know, you don't have to do anything crazy like, um, you know, Chad did and leaving the, the state for five days or, or, or anything elaborate. It's experiences are about experiencing everything. Um, you know, go to your local coffee shop that you've been to a million times and try to notice something that you hadn't noticed before. Start a conversation with a stranger. Pet a, pet a stranger's dog. Yeah, I might ask him first because um, I, I, that's a big pet peeve of mine is people who just <laughs> bum rush dogs. Yeah. Like that's, you know, dogs are protective of their owners for a reason. So just don't, you know, for anyone out there, like dogs are cute, but dogs are also animals. Um, so make sure that you treat them with the respect they deserve. But, you know, that's beside the point. The point is, experiences are everywhere experiences are all around you and experiences live in in not just the 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 new places you can go or the new things you can do but the things that you've always done and can see differently uh every time you do them now and so yeah i mean it, you know we we've talked about this uh, on a multitude of occasions but i think that you know lately you and i have been doing that a lot more which is the only way to really be creative or interested or interesting or aware or present is to actually just go and do stuff you know like when we went to to um hang out in santa cruz with with brandon and the, and and a bunch of our friends in uh, aptos like it, it, it having that experience with people having the ability to to share those moments with people and seeing how people, you know, I, I know this sounds weird and, you know, for anyone who was at um, uh, Brandon's who 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 is going to be aware of this is going to be slightly weirded out by it, but I was watching people eat. You know, I was watching how different people consume their food and how meticulous some people are, or how, how, how for some it's just purely utility and it's not, there, there's no... Um, you know, there, there, there's there, there's no process to it. I, it's it, even in something that simple, and even in those tiny little moments that we we take for granted on a day to day basis, there's interesting experiences to pull from all of them. Um, there's there's a there's an interesting there's 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 a narrative interest that that goes along with each of these experiences that are always present if we're willing to open up our our, our eyes and ears and, and and pay attention to what's going on. I mean, there is no there is no creativity without experience. It's that simple. Sure. Because the purpose the purpose of creating things is to share an experience, to share your perception of an experience. That's the whole purpose. Um, you know, that's what painting is. Why why did why did Van Gogh paint the way he did? Because he didn't want to show you the cornfield. He wanted to show you the cornfield the way he was seeing it, the way he was experiencing it. And if he wasn't conscious to the fact that uh, the starry night sky in his mind was swirling, that there was a feeling of swirling in it, we wouldn't have starry night. We would just have a painting of black sky with white dots. <laughs> and there's no, there's, there's no fun in that. Uh, okay. I would like to get to these two questions before we – I honestly, I, I love the fact that we just took an hour doing that stuff. Um <laughs> But I want to make sure I want to make sure that we we nail these two questions since they've been sitting on the back burner for a long time. I am I'm going to jump to the second one because so on my website I had Matteo Massiello leave me a question and he was he's referring to when we were talking about this I did these I believe um, I realized afterwards that he may be asking me a question about fiction. And not about life. Um, so, Mateo, if you're listening and we answer your question wrong, let me know and we'll do the other way as well. But his question is, 
how do you know the best way to tell your story? And I believe what he's referring to is the idea that, you know, we tell these stories to ourselves. He makes a reference earlier to getting over his bad self. You know, we have these stories that we tell ourselves that maybe aren't the best stories that don't really lead us to down progressive paths in our lives. So how do we know the best way to tell our story? He may be talking about the story that you're writing for fiction, but we're not going to answer that today. So, Lamb, you want to start? Um, I know you had some thoughts on that when we first saw this question. Um, my thoughts on it have changed dramatically since the time I originally saw the question, and it's based on, on two pieces of incredible um, artistry that I've seen since. Um, the first one is the, the, the documentary that I recommended to you yesterday. Um, it's called Faces, Places. Um, at least that's the horrible American translation of it. Um, <laughs> it, it it's, it's horrifying. Um, it, it, the, the French version, the, the French version of the name, I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Um, but basically, Visage Village. Yeah. I, I, it, there's a cool French nuance to that that I'm not even going to attempt. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an amazing, amazing documentary by a fantastic Belgian uh, filmmaker, um, that I highly recommend anyone. Basically, um, she enlists the help of a street perform or installation artist slash photographer, um, this French guy, um, and they travel the French countryside um, in a giant van made up to look like a huge camera um, that prints enormous prints um, out of the side of the van, um, and it's amazing how people who have never really had art in their lives in any present way um, experience those moments in which they see giant pictures of themselves plastered on the sides of buildings and the things that come up for them, you know, seeing the lines in their own faces, you know, seeing the, the scars that they've accumulated over their lifetimes. And I don't think I've ever seen a more sincere documentary um, because most documentaries, I mean, if you, if you watch documentaries at, in, at any length, um, most of them, you know, have a thesis. The narrators try to stay out of the the the, the storytelling process, even though their their presence is definitely very clear throughout. Um, because there's always typically some kind of slant to every documentary. Uh, this documentary doesn't feel like a documentary at all. It feels like a documentary basically about itself. It's a it's it's what you want a reality show to be basically. Um, and you see these people talk about their lives um, and the one through line, whether it's a happy story or, or a melancholy story, the one thing that you, you, you sense throughout is that there's just a hopeless sincerity um, in, that, in that moment because they're caught so off guard by this massive camera. Um, the wonderment of it opens up their, their defenses. You know, it takes down all of these walls that they've built over what peri whatever period of time they've built them, and it makes it so that they, they tell the much more honest versions of their stories. Um, and the second, um, so for anybody, please go out there and watch that documentary. The second thing that's, that's, um, that, that defines that, that aspect of, of telling your own story to me is Cheryl Strayed. Um, you know, because of the episode that we did and because of the, the things that I've read about her and the things I've read, uh, of her, um, the, the through line through all of these, um, whether it's that documentary or, or any of Cheryl Strayed's work or actually any real great work. Um, in that sense, um, is the honesty. Um, it's all about the sincerity and the honesty and the, the ability to take that honesty with the skills that you have as an artist, 
um, and the confidence that you gain with age and wisdom uh, to tell that story unrelentingly and very truthfully. Um, and so that for me is the, the quintessential answer to that question. How do you tell your own story? Well, tell it honestly and let everything else fall as it may. And I think that a lot of that begins with the process of questions. Uh, we spend a lot of time projecting answers out into the world with uh, just the way that we talk to each other. We're, we're not really listening to each other. We're projecting opinions. Uh, just listen to two people talk about their cell phones. And you'll notice that the two people are slowly trying to convince the other person that their phone is the better choice and that they should have bought that cell phone, that you should have Android instead of uh, iOS. And it's just, that's the, I think it's a consequence of consumerism. Uh, long exposures to consumerism leads to kind of thought process like that. It's not, it's not surprising. But questions... Try to try. I would I would suggest Matteo to in order to find the honesty and the genuine authenticity. Those are redundant, but we'll just put a comma between those. Uh, that Lamb is talking about is begin with questions. Um, begin with questions not only uh, for yourself but for people around you. Instead of telling people things, start asking them things. When somebody says something that you don't agree with, ask them to clarify. Ask them what they really mean. Not because you're trying to accomplish anything, but just try to understand exactly what they're saying. You don't have to spend your life defending what you believe. Uh, if you believe something, you believe it. You don't need to project that into the world. And that's a, this problem we all have is we feel that we need to defend our beliefs. Why can't we just carry them around? This is what I believe. And be fascinated by the differences from other people. And I think you're going to find that your story lives in those differences. The similarities are the things that um, are what we should focus on. But uh, we should also celebrate the differences as well. And the way to understand those differences is to just really understand them. To understand what you believe, ask yourself questions. What do I think about this? Why do I think that? Where does that come from? Continually, just make it a continual stream of questions to ask yourself. Your story is not in the answer. Your story is in the questions. The story of our life is in the questions that we ask ourselves and that we ask of the world around us. It is not in the answers because the answers are guesses. The questions are the concrete things. The questions are things that don't change. They just grow. We have more of them. But the questions are always there. They always stand. What is the meaning of life? What does this person believe? How does that affect me? What should I do about hunger? What about war? These questions, those are the solid things of life. Those are the stories. And the ones that we pay attention to define who we are as human beings. But the answers that we project are just us letting our ego bleed into the world. It's, if you can learn to live outside of your own needs and your own world worries, you'll find that your story is floating around everywhere. You don't need to find it. It's already there. Your story is, is the thing that you've been ignoring. It's the thing that you've been uh, shutting out. It's the thing that w the reason we pull our phones out of our pocket all the time instead of spending time in silence because our story is there and maybe we don't want to accept that there is a story there. We don't want to live in that. 
And, uh, that's my thoughts on it. And you know, the, the, the other side of that too, I think a lot of the reason why people are afraid of that, I know that I was. Um, and so I'm going to, I don't, I don't know how many more people this applies to. I don't want to make the assumption that it applies to everyone, but some of the reason why that, that happened for me is because I was scared of, of the bad times. Um, you know, I was scared of the worst versions of me. I was scared of the perception that people had of me when I wasn't at my best. And so I think, you know, and we've talked about this on numerous occasions too as well. I think two things are very crippling here. Um, the first thing is shame and the second thing is pride. Um, and I think they, they walk hand in hand when it comes to this. And, and you've said this a billion times too as well, which is um, most of those things are purely ego-driven. You know, most of those things are, are, are exist because, or those two things exist because you have a perception of yourself that you've wanted to maintain or, or, or you've wanted to build over a period of time. And sometimes you falter from that. And only recently, and this is, I'm talking about in the last like maybe year of my life, have I gotten okay with the idea of having made mistakes, um, of having not been the best version of myself, and of, of, of realizing that those darker moments or those difficult moments or those moments in which I, I felt a sense of, of, of shame towards things that I did or who I was are totally okay. Um, it's part of life. It's part of experiencing life with other people. And I, I, I had to come to terms with those things in order to become a better person and a better artist. Uh, because without being honest about the bad parts, you can't really be honest about the good parts either. I had the pleasure on this trip of having some very deep and powerful conversations. And without sharing people's deep, dark secrets or even their names, <laughs> one of the things that we <laughs> talked about was guilt uh, about the past. Somebody who felt like they there's things that they should have done that they didn't. And it felt impossible to change that. And in, in the time that we spent talking, what we discovered was the problem here with shame is, as and you're right, I have said that it's ego, but there's also um, something else to it as well. When we're dealing with shame, when we're dealing with regret, we're setting ourselves up for the impossible. We're dealing with the past, things that you've done in the past. And when you're focusing on those things, those are things that will never change. They've already happened. They're literally things that are gone, that can never be fixed or changed because they've happened already. You can't go back and adjust them. You never, when we all know that, this isn't like some revelation. But when we're focusing on those things, we're setting ourselves up for an impossible challenge because we're going, in our minds, we're deciding how can I fix the thing that is completely unfixable? How can I change the thing that is unchangeable? We don't have the past. It's gone. All we have is now and tomorrow. So you have to let that challenge go. You have to let go of the challenge of, of the past and accept that that's the way things are and figure out what you're going to do now and what you're going to do tomorrow. Because if you're carrying that shame, all you're doing is you're beating yourself over the head with yesterday. And yesterday is, is, is a petrified piece of wood. It's never going to come back to life, ever. You need to accept that. And that's, that's how we start our story is by, you know, they always say the best way to write a fictional story is to start midstream. And what I, what I mean by that and what they mean by that is 
a good story starts in the middle of the action. Things are already happening. We don't want to hear 25 minutes of backstory and hear all about the, the, the character's youth just so we can hear about his wedding day. Start me on the wedding day. And then find a way to tell me about the past in little ways throughout that story if it's important. But start me in the action. That's how we have to live our lives. We're already in the action. We're in the middle of it. Our story starts now. And now. And now. It didn't start in the past because that story is already told. So you want to you know a way to tell your story is to let go of the other ones that you're carrying around and start writing one now, today, this second, and write another one tomorrow and another one and always be moving forward. Don't hold on to that heavy brick of the past. It's just going to make it sink to the bottom of the ocean. There's no story in that. Hmm. Uh, okay, let's do the, let's do Allison's question because the poor thing has probably been waiting two months to hear an answer to this question. <laughs> and this one uh, is kind of directed more towards me, but I'm going to ask for your input at every step of this because you are, as always, I say at the beginning, my partner. So, um, Allison asked me to clarify, I had mentioned earlier that every night I do a nightly inventory. So she had asked me to tell what that nightly inventory is and it has changed a little bit, but I, so I cut out some of the stuff that I was doing at that time and I've only included the stuff that I do now. And I unfortunately have gotten out of the habit of doing this every night, especially being out of town, but I want to get back into it. Anyways, I diverge. Uh, my nightly inventory is essentially is it, going back to questions. It is a series of questions that I ask myself at the end of the night to end my day. Um, typically, I do this about an hour before I go to bed because I like to have uh, just kind of drifting, you know, like Lamb's Happy 30 Challenge. I like to have time that doesn't involve anything else, including questions. And usually a lot of what I, what I pull out of these questions is uh, what I end up thinking about for like that last hour before I go to sleep, um, much of which is spent in the dark in bed because it takes me a while to fall asleep. So the questions that I ask myself, and I'm going to stop at every, every question, Lam, and, and have you give your thoughts on each. Um, the first one I ask myself is, what did I learn today? I think that uh, going back to what you were saying earlier, being present and paying attention to things around us and, and stuff like that, it's important to remember that you learn something every day. And, you know, it could be ridiculous things. It could be um, life-changing things, like I learned today that I'm a selfish person. Or I learned today that uh, Thomas uh, Jefferson and, uh, oh, what's his name, John Adams hated each other with a passion. Who knows? So I like I like to just think about the things I learned for that day. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I do something similar. Um, except I, I split the question off into to a couple of different things. Um, you know, like, if, for example, I make it a, a, a very big point to find out about a piece of artwork or something that I need to to, to consume, um, whether it's, you know, a show or a documentary, a movie, whatever it may be, a song. So one of the questions I ask myself is, um, you know, did I find something cool today? Um, so that, that, that's, that's definitely part of it for me too, as well. Um, I do ask myself if I learned something, um, but I've kind of abandoned that question just because I feel like I'm, I'm, 
pretty rabid about consuming um, information in the world, so I learn quite a bit every day. At least I'd like to think that I do. Um, so I've, 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 I think I've asked that question enough to make it so that I never don't have that as a priority in my life. I'm always trying to learn something. Yeah, I think for me, the reason it's important for me is uh, probably going to what you said that we so much comes we we learn so much in the day. And typically, I, I keep this down to usually a, just a list of three things. I don't try to remember everything because obviously you can't. But it's important for me to acknowledge those things, to remember them, because sometimes I forget that I learned them. <laughs> it's, oh, sure, it, sure. And and I find that sometimes I get to this list and it's hard, and I actually have to start dialing through the day. Like, okay, then I did this, then I did. Oh, I learned a lesson there. And sometimes I find I pull things out where it's like, oh. I learned that when I smile at this at this person that they smile back and the things that I didn't realize that I learned. So for me, uh, and it could just be the difference in the way our brains work, but for me, it's, it's, it's valuable for me to force myself to, to re-experience those things. You know, maybe it's smart. It would be smart for me to, because, you know, I, I can't make the arrogant assumption that I, I just learn a lot every day. Um, but I, I can, I can, modify that question to fit my purposes, which is, um, what thing did I learn today that I didn't expect to learn? <laughs> mm, that's a good one. I like that. Uh, the next question I ask, and this is a very short one, but this, I find this is important. What purchases did I make today? I find that's really important because, uh, with Amazon and all this stuff I, and iTunes, you know, oh, apps and random things. If I don't pay attention to where my money goes, <laughs> I notice that it goes away. <laughs> and that's a pretty basic one. Do you do something similar, Lim? Um, to a point, um, I actually made a choice about maybe three months ago to not buy anything. Um, so I have pretty strictly stuck to um, just utility stuff, necessity stuff, and the only luxury items I really allow myself um, are things that will give me experiences. So like a ticket to something or, or you know, um, something like that. So I will spend money on food. I will spend money on drink. I will spend money on experiences. But like with clothing, for example, I haven't purchased a single piece of clothing in over eight months. Um, and I feel, I'm pretty damn proud of that, actually. Um, and that actually goes way back to a conversation we had many, many months ago about minimalism. And so I've literally just not purchased a single item of clothing in, in that period of time. And now, because I've, I've trained myself so long to not do it, I, I don't even miss it. And it physically irks me when I even consider having to buy a piece of clothing. I just, you know, and I know that this is probably true for most people who live in the United States and who are doing reasonably well. Even for those who don't, I, I have friends who, who aren't doing financially well who have a ton of clothes. Um, you you have so much more than you, you need and you don't realize that until you make the concerted effort to not get any more. <laughs> yeah, I find it's important to do exactly that, to keep me in check. Because I haven't actually, I, I, I don't even remember the last time I bought clothes. Uh, any clothes that have come into my life in the last year were gifts. Uh, the only thing that I can think is I finally bought a pair of new shoes, which if any of you listen to my short-lived solo podcast, um, I talked about my, my need to keep shoes until I can accept that they're actually dead. 
So I finally bought a new pair of shoes, and that was because I needed black Converse for this wedding, and I decided that it was a good double purchase. I needed them for the wedding, and I needed new shoes, and I like Converse. So, uh, But, yeah, if, if I found that before I did that, I was probably stacking up little purchases here and there, but now when I see it in front of me, I realize what I'm consuming, and I I, I didn't even – make the subconscious connection that you made there, which is that, yes, that's because I want to be more minimal. And until I can see where my money is going, I can't really put a wrap on that. I can't keep it handled because, oh, I bought this, I bought this. Until I see those things confronted in front of me and I go, oh, confronted in front of me. Wow, that that's a nice alliteration. Um, <laughs> until Until I can see where these things are, you know, like I said, there's all these little invisible things that we buy until I can start clamping down on those. I could, ne I could never begin to be a minimalist. So that was a huge thing sure. for me to, to start doing that because that, that's how I got to the point that we're talking about. I was like, Oh, I bought that. Damn it. Why did I buy that? <laughs> that, mm -hmm. that regret. Okay. So the next question is, and this is an, I probably should have put this later because this is a heavy question, but this is a very important question for me, and it goes back to what I said a few minutes ago about living outside of your own needs. What did I do for other people today? What did I do that had nothing to do with me or my ego? What did I do for someone else solely or that person or people? Uh, that's an important question for me to ask every day because it keeps me – like, like I, that's why I call this my nightly inventory. Um, I need to see, do I have, do I, in stock, do I have stock in other people? Because if I don't, then am I really alive? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, that's a great one. I'm going to incorporate that into to, to my nightly inventory as well. That's a great one. Um, I mean, my, my, my version of it was, uh, what did I do to change the world today? But I think that your version of it is more succinct, um, in that in order to change the world, you have to change people. And in order to change people, you have to consciously choose to have an effect on them. Um, wow, that's, that's a powerful one. That is a very powerful one. And I, I think that, I think that especially as I get older and older, um, I have such a strong desire to help people. Like a lot of the projects I'm taking on right now, for example, um, I almost irk at the possibility of getting credit for them. Uh, I know that sounds strange um, because in my youth, I probably would have cared about getting credit for them more than the actual thing itself. Um, but these days, I just I just want the work to be done. You know, I want the effect. I want the effect of the work to be felt. And I want the, the the legacy of the work to stand by on its own without the the the, the attachment to my name. Even um, I mean, don't get me wrong. This is not to say that I don't I don't have a sense of pride about being able to accomplish certain things with my work or the things I do to help people. But I just don't I don't care. It, it feels dirty almost um, to ask for credit for things or to to receive praise for things that I feel like. I, I I do because they're the right thing to do and not because I want credit for them. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. I, I, I really like that. Yeah, I find it's imp important to to acknowledge when you do things right. You know, like you said, the, the, per the, reason, the reason that this question exists is to make sure that you're doing these things. 
and I'm sure somebody could probably interpret um, exactly what Lamb's saying you don't want to do there, which is this isn't, you know, you guys aren't taking a nightly inventory because you're trying to uh, look at these awesome things I did for other people. It's literally, did I do something for other people? And when you sure. pay attention to those little things, um, then you, it's just like one of the other questions we'll talk about in a little bit. When you pay attention to certain things, they grow in your life. You know, what you focus on, we've said this before, what you focus on is what you're going to get. You know, what you look for is what you will find. So if you're paying attention to the things that you do for other people, then you will find that you do more things for other people. And that's, like Pam said, that's how you change the world. You change the world by changing, uh, by helping and caring for people around you. And if you aren't paying attention to that, then you're living in yourself. And if you're miserable, that's probably why you're miserable because we are not self-sustained creatures. Uh, the next question kind of in some way goes hand in hand with that is what can I improve? Now this question I asked myself, I used to ask the question is um, where did I fail today? But the, hmm. the, the slant of that question really changed the answer, and I didn't like the answers that I was getting because everything was negative. What can I improve? Now, this can be something very simple as looking and seeing that I didn't do anything for anybody today and going, well, I can, I can pay attention to other people's needs. But it can also be something simple as looking at, wow, when I, when I take these files, it takes forever for me to convert these JPEGs into PDFs, and I have to do this every Wednesday. How can I automate that? You know, is there is there something that I can drop these files into a folder and it will automatically convert all JPEGs that I drop into that folder into PDFs? You know, looking for little ways to improve your life in every way, whether it's personal or whether it is just flow, you know, fixing the mechanics of your life as well. Uh, what can I improve? Oh, I always forget to get gas before the week, be my work week begins. Oh, well, I can I can improve that by setting myself a reminder the day before that goes off at a specific time and getting off my butt and going to the gas station. Lamb, do you do anything like that? Yeah, I, I definitely do something like that. Um, but for me, it's it's about the questions a little different um, because I I think I've modified. Okay, let me let me start let me start from the beginning here. Um, a couple of a couple of months ago, I realized that there were a couple of things that were making it very difficult for me to do all of the things that I wanted to do throughout the course of the day, and they, it all came down to efficiency. Um, it all came down to what you're talking about, which is, you know, I'd have panic moments where I would need to do something in the moment because I'm reacting to not having done it or not having prepared for it properly in order to. To, to, to get it out of the way, to leave myself the room and the energy and the time to do the things that I really wanted to do. So the question for me, it's not a nightly question, but it's a weekly question, is um, what can I do to free up more time and energy? And that is something that I constantly keep stock of, you know, from, from little things like how I cook food and how I eat um, to things like where I park my car and when, uh, for work, um, you know, what time I make phone calls, what kind of, I mean, there's, there's such a myriad of things that goes into that, that you'd be, you'd be shocked at how much automating certain parts of your life 
really has a dramatic effect on how much time and energy that you have to do other things. The less you have to think about a repetitive task, the more effective you are at all of the things that you do want to do. For example, why why should you have to think about something like getting gas or making food? I mean, those are parts of your daily life. It's not a, a reinventing of anything. It's just doing something to get it done. So it only stands to reason that you find the most efficient way to do it so that you can do something with the extra time and the energy that you have. And even though you're only saving two minutes here or five minutes there, 30 seconds there, at the end of your night, when you sum up all of the amount of time that you're doing you, you spend doing these other things, you've probably freed up an hour and a half of your life. Um, and it's weird to think of it that way, but in doing what I've done over the last couple of months, it's very clear how much time I waste on inefficiency. And I think that that's a fantastic lesson for me and, and a great lesson to, to for everyone else out there too, is to think about your tasks. I mean, think about the things that you do every day or every week and try to cut down the amount of time and energy you spend doing them as much as possible so you can go and do, uh, you know, taste tests with chips and, and you know, write in your journal and, and do something creative or take a picture or appreciate a day for what it is. I mean, all of these things are enriching um, in, in in ways that you can't, quantify until you've actually done them and in a, over a long enough period of time if you start doing these things you 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 know you cut these inefficiencies out of your life it opens up your brain to being able to to help people more to to, to see the, the plights of the world and to, to appreciate your friends and to appreciate the people you care about and you will be so much less miserable you'll be way I, I can't say that you'll be happy because that's that's purely up to you and what your definition of happiness is but what you will be is more at ease. You'll be less stressed. You'll have less anxiety. Um, and I think that's where all of this came from for me was a quest to remove as much anxiety from my life as possible. And another aspect of the question that I totally forgot about too is what you're going to realize um, when you, if you were to ask yourself this question too, is sometimes it is about those failures that I talked about. You know, like I, I lost my temper with this person. So what can I do to improve that? And what's really, really at the core of all of these questions or maybe any question in life is to really dig deep enough. Um, and sometimes that, that means that an answer requires another question. So uh, I lost my temper with this person. That's something I want to improve. So I have to ask myself why I lost my temper with that person. And uh, what I find really useful is to ask yourself questions at least three deep. Um, and what, by, what I mean by that, for example, I need a new phone. I don't, but I'm just throwing that out as a, a subjective thing. This is something that somebody might be thinking. Next question you need to ask yourself, or the first question you need to ask yourself is, why do I need another phone? And so maybe your answer is because uh, this one is old. Okay, so why, why is it important to get something new when this is old? And the answer to that might be, well, because it's it's slow and it can't do everything that I need it to do. And, okay, so the next question is, what do you need it to do? So you, you just keep digging. And what you, what you end up, you say, well, I need it to do this, I need it to do this, and I need it to do this. Okay, now, is this a $800 phone over here any more capable of doing it than this one over here? You're going to find these different dilemmas. And obviously, uh, you most of the time we we all buy the same price level of phone so that's probably not the best example of price level differences but 
for example, somebody might say, I need a new phone. And then the question is, why do I need a new phone? And say, because it, it, it saves me time. Ooh, really? So then the next question is, why do you need to save more time? And then the answer to that one is real magic because the real magic would be because I use my time inefficiently. So your problem isn't your phone. Your problem is how you manage your time. So very interesting dynamic change right there when you go deep with questions because you might find out that your problems aren't what you think your problems are. Um, that's almost the, al- that's almost always the case, by the way. <laughs> oh, yes. Almost always. Why did I lose my temper with this person? You're going to start out that question thinking that it's their problem, that, you know, it's their fault. And what you're going to find out most time is, is it your problem? It's your fault. Um, next question, which arguably is the most important question on this list. The only other question uh, that competes with it is what did I do for others today? And this is, what am I grateful for today? We've, mm. I, our, our favorite phrase recently I've noticed on this podcast is saying, we've talked about this before, but this is something that we have <laughs> hammered into you guys, hopefully to the point where you guys get it, that gratitude is the most important thing that you can bring into your life if you want to make your life better. And so I, I'm, I force myself to think of at least three things, and I make sure that every day that there are three different things than I thought of the day before. And today it's like, I, last night it would definitely be, I am grateful to be back in my own bed. That was one of them. Now today, when I, when I do this, I'm not going to talk about my bed today. I'm going to find three different things. And I, I'm sure you do gratitude every day as well, Lamb. Oh, absolutely. That's something that uh, you, you introduce into my life. A long time ago and I've I've every night it, it, it's it's weird because I've broken it down beyond that too what am I grateful for it's it, I have the what am I grateful for is definitely a part of it but I have the who am I grateful for too as well um, and that's a separate question altogether and I started out um, you know naming a bunch of people in my life that I was grateful for and I changed that so that it's now what one person today am I grateful for and why? Um, and thinking about my relationship with that person and why, why it's benefited my life. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's my modification on it. And I find that that one makes me much more present with the people I really care about. You know, it makes you, makes you really interested in their lives and it makes you more conscious about the effect that you have on them even. That's an important distinction. And I want to remind you guys, that's why for me, this is a nightly inventory. These, these inventories are a focus on the day that I just had. Um, now, it's not, I'm not saying it's not important to be grateful for things in the larger part of your life, but focus on what, uh, try to focus on what happened the day that just ha- ended, you know, that's coming to an end when you're doing this. And because it is important to acknowledge those things. It's nice to say, well, I'm really grateful for having a family that loves me. Right. We know that. Everybody is. But you're not really focusing on gratitude. Gratitude, the power of gratitude lies in specifics. And what I mean by that is, you know, saying, oh, I'm grateful for my family. That's not very specific. How about I'm grateful for the generosity of my mother? Now, that's very specific. And the reason that it's important to, sp- to focus on those specifics is because you – the purpose of this gratitude is not just to acknowledge it, but to feel it, to experience it. 
because when you re-experience it, you're, you're, you're teaching these things um, in, in yourself to grow. You're teaching this feeling of gratitude to grow because when you live in a sense of gratitude, you're a happier person because it takes you outside of yourself. When you live too much inside yourself, as was mentioned a few minutes ago, you're miserable because that's when you start becoming a hypochondriac, uh, start getting anxiety, all of these things. Um, become suicidal. It's focusing on yourself too much. It, it's all it's all internal. So this is teaching you to look external and to let that blossom. So be specific. You know, what today? What am I grateful for today? You know, I could say I'm grateful for this podcast today. That's not very specific because Lamb and I do this every Wednesday. I'm grateful that Lamb and I got to talk about gratitude on the podcast today and share that with the world. <laughs> That's awesome, and it's specific, you know. Or I'm grateful that when I asked this question, Lamb Lamb took it in this direction. I get it, you know. Katy Perry might get it, but they might get it. <laughs> but even they can't sustain themselves on something that crazy. I mean, you wonder why. And they'd only be making eighty thousand dollars. I mean, you, you, let's let's put it this way for for some people. Like people don't understand why. Um, you know, if you take a, a a band like Muse or something like that, I mean, that's probably not a great example. But if you take a band and you wonder why they tour, if you think about touring. Most of the stuff about touring sucks. It's long drives in the middle of the night to weird locations um, and then setting up, playing a show that's absolutely exhausting and then taking it all back down and doing it all over again. But the reason why artists have to do that is because that's one of the few ways they can actually make money. Um, you know, and, and sure, for larger artists, it, it, it's a different, it, different ballgame. But I mean, if you're taking smaller artists um, or even medium-sized artists, um, that is such a huge source of revenue because there's they they just can't make the money on on the spins and 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 listens you know, and it's the hugest advertising. You can post you can post your songs on Facebook all you want, but it's not going to get you the same exposure as playing a live show in somebody's city. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. I don't know. There's there's a lot of things that need to be figured out, and people need to people need to stop being jerks, and they need to swallow the idea that you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the money, it's like when people get mad because Netflix raises their rate by a dollar. Netflix is not a right. If you can't afford Netflix, tough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that to be a jerk to those people. I'm saying what you think you're entitled to have and that a company is entitled to give you that price is ridiculous. We have ridiculous amounts of uh, of what we think that we deserve as Americans. Mm-hmm. No, we don't deserve those things. Those are privileges. Mm-hmm. And if we're lucky, what, what you do deserve is healthcare, food, and a, a working street, uh, a police department that shows up when there's a crime, a fire department that puts out the fire in your house. Those are things you deserve. Mm-hmm. But everything else is icing on the cake. And we're so entitled when it comes to the Internet. And it's not good for anything. Because yeah. it, it degrades everything over time. Yeah, not only that, but with, with the quality content that we're talking about, unless these artists can afford to feed themselves, there's no way they're going to continue to make stuff because it's just not it's not feasible in a person's life to be able to focus that much time and energy. And, 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 and you know, it, it's, it's, it's creating something that's really good or meaningful is really tough to do. So it's not just like a day job where you can wake up in the morning, spend six hours doing it and, and, and call it a day and you'll have a great product by the end of that day. You know, there are times where you have to kick, claw, and scratch to come up with something good that really means something to people. 
And, and that's not an easy thing to do. The amount of things you have to sacrifice in order to pull that off are pretty monumental sometimes. And people who aren't inherently creators, I don't think most of them understand that, you know, like that it's, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of sacrifice. So for a person that that's willing to put that kind of time and effort into something that you're going to consume, they deserve to be paid for it. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, look at, look at this podcast, right? Now we do this for free. We do it for fun. Um, we enjoy it. But if at a certain point our schedules get busy, it would be one of the first things to go, right? Sure. Because we don't make any money off of it. And then the people who listen to the show wouldn't have the show anymore. Now, I'm not saying that people should start paying us. But what, when, you, when you listen to, uh, listen to or watch or read things on the Internet, there is a certain responsibility that you have if you're continually consuming something from somebody. And that's at least to share it. Yeah, because that gets them a bigger audience. And when somebody that's creating something, particularly a podcast or like I do a vlog on YouTube, when the audience grows, that opens up opportunities to that artist to make money without you having as a listener to actually contribute money. Mm -hmm. Because if we have a certain, for example, you and I, if we have a certain amount of listeners, we can actually start having advertisers. Yeah. And if we start having advertisers, then we could actually make money doing this and then it could become a priority as far as in our lives as far as making money and we wouldn't have to worry about ever having to sacrifice it. And I think that people kind of get that one. Even, you know, people are not big sharers in general of things that they consume on a regular basis, which I think is sad. Um, but it's even worse for musicians because people don't share and they don't pay the musicians at all. And I think that that's 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 a fundamental flaw. Um, in I, I don't know if it's more in the Bay Area than it is anywhere else, but people have a tendency to covet things. Um, you know, like this is really cool, so I'm going to hold on to it just for me, kind of thing. Um, and I don't know if that's just that's. I, it, I mean, I know it's a hipster thing. Like you know, you were going to that bar before it was cool or whatever. But um, you know, if you really like something, just get over yourself and share it because the world deserves it. You know, if you, if you find value in it and if you find it useful for yourself, I mean, that's part of what our podcast is to this podcast is to us is that, you know, we're, we're just taking all of the things that we think might be useful or, 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 or might be, you know, inspiring and just sharing it. And I think that's what it's about. It's about maintaining a, a level of positivity that, 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 well, don't get me wrong, we're pretty negative about certain things when it comes to technology. <laughs> but I think it's about maintaining that forward momentum for, for humanity. And I feel like the only way that, that we can progress as, as a people or a culture or as a country or whatever it is, is to take that crappy sense of entitlement that we have, that we deserve this artist or this streaming service or this frappuccino or whatever it is. And and if we're if we're fortunate enough to have it, then we should be altruistic enough to share it and i think ultimately that's that's the goal or at least that should be the goal we normally end these podcasts with a word of wisdom but i think we're going to forego that today and i'm going to say this if you listen to this podcast on a regular basis and you enjoy it and you are subscribed to it please share us tell the rest of your friends and your family about this show we want more listeners and don't just post the link with nothing to say about it or check this out, tell people actually what you like about it. Give them a reason to check it out. And I know it's shameless to ask people to do that, but if I don't ask people to do that, people won't do it. And we can't grow our, there's only so much work that Lamb and I can do to grow this show. 
So please share this show. Unified progress, and when we don't have that, when you know we're when we're dealing with social media or or or, or the social world as we currently have it now, um, that lack of connection breeds a sense of of just unshakable fear for most people, and a lot of it's subconscious, um, and that's the fear that drives people to have to compartmentalize people into the same box as them in such a complete way that there's no room for any modification or, or evolution outside of that box. I do think fear plays a role, but I don't think it's the only role. I oh, I, that, I agree. It's not the only thing, but I, think I, I feel like a lot of people like to use fear as like the easy excuse for things when mm. it's, it's, it's something, sometimes there's maliciousness in it. Oh, like, sure. Sometimes people, sometimes people want to throw other people away because it makes them fucking feel good. You know, like fuck that Nazi. You know why? It feels really good to say that. Sure. You know, versus, and, and, and I'm not de- I'm not defending anybody like that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus, let's talk to this person and find out what they really think. Right, and, the, and or, or more importantly, why they think what they think. I think that's the, the the critical question in all of these respects, whether you're progressive or conservative um, or liberal, um, and understanding the the motivations that. Which is the reason why, literally, I'm doing the political stuff that I'm doing. Is that for me? It's not about it's 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 about asking that question, about asking that question over and over and over again until I get an honest answer from somebody. There's um, a documentary that I've been wanting to watch, but I'm kind of afraid to watch <laughs> in the sense that I, I think it's going to be, it's on Netflix. It's, it's probably going to be hard to handle, um, but it's called White Right. Um, uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 it's White Right. The subtitle is Meeting the Enemy. Um, and it's, it's this, this documentary filmmaker, her name is um, Deirdre Khan. I, I believe she's Pakistani. Um, but she sits. She basically sits down and interviews a bunch of white supremacists. Jeez, and interesting. Um, from what I understand, what when someone was, I think someone interviewed her. She might have been on Sam Harris. I'm not sure. Um, but she sits down with these guys, and uh, you know, they start throwing out their the spiels. You know, like uh, mud, mud blood, and all of that kind of shit, um, and she kind of she doesn't throw it back in their face but i guess she she repeats it to them she's like so that she's like later she says something like well you know like i'm i'm and then she repeats whatever phrase it is that they use and these guys back off they're like no 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 not you huh. and it's it's because of that respect and i haven't sure. watched it this is just from me hearing her explain it um that she re- was treating them with respect. She wasn't attacking them in this interview. She was just talking to them and wanted to hear what they thought because she, I think her goal, if I, if I understood correctly from what I remember, um, her goal was to try to understand how people end up in these kind of organizations. You sure. know, like 
what happens in people? Is there a consistent thing that you can see happens in these people's lives that lead them down these roads? Um, and so she was actually asking with curiosity. And Daryl Davis does the same thing when he's talking to KKK people. He was asking, he's like, so why do you think that? Um, and what happens is they start to respect them. And, and when they respect them, that cognitive dissonance that we we're talking about, you know, that delusion, it happens. You know, it's like, I believe that, but, but oh, not you. Not you. And that's change. And that's the change that everybody is so desperate right now to create in the world. And what they're actually doing is making it worse because they're not doing it with respect. They're doing it with disrespect. When you, when you talk about people like they're garbage, even if they, if they, then guess what? You think they're garbage. And when you think people are garbage, you're never going to make the world a better place ever. Hmm. That's interesting. Now, now I have to watch this documentary. Sounds it's, fascinating. It's the same. You know, people have trouble seeing this, but like thinking that somebody that does, you know, like a, like a serial killer thinking like, well, you know, whatever that, that piece of garbage, just murder them. That's no different than the mindset that that person applied to their victims. Sure. That's something when you, when you can see a human being as disposable, you have no humanity for that person. And that's dangerous because that doesn't just stay there. And that's when I see these things, it it makes me sad because, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't expect everybody to stand up or anybody to stand up when people do these wrong things. But I do expect people to be conflicted like Sarah Silverman was. Sure. Because, uh, you know, when you were growing up, didn't it ever happen? Did your parents ever say to you, like, I still love you, but what you did was wrong? Sure. Because our actions and who we are as people are two different things. Because, you know, one is, one is inherent is, is life. This is like life. And this is an action. And this is a choice. And sometimes it's a mistake. And sometimes it's both. And sometimes it's more. It doesn't matter. Because those are actions. And the action Mm. should be condemned. But the person, the person is a life. And when we lose respect for life, I don't know that there's a way back. Jeez, that's murky. Yeah, it is. But that's what we're living in right now. I mean, I could, I could flip into, into, into YouTube right now. And I mean, yeah, YouTube's probably a great place. That's a cesspool. And probably find people telling each other that they're human garbage. Yeah, probably constantly. You know, though, I, hmm. so I've been out of social media for a little bit, um, at least in any active way. Um, I've avoided YouTube and Reddit and all the standard sources, Twitter. Um, and I've just been going out and meeting people. And that process of going out and meeting people has given me so much more hope um, than, what we've, than, than what we've kind of conveyed in how our feelings are about this uh, when it comes to other people in society. Um, I actually, I actually feel really hopeful about the world right now. And I think a lot of that is because of the, 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 my almost fanatical desire to build actual connections with other humans. Well, that's the only way I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe the lie that social media can connect people. Oh, I disagree. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I don't believe it. I believe, I believe the idea the ideology and the hope. I believe that, but I haven't seen that that's what's happening. And it doesn't mean that there haven't been exceptions. There are always exceptions, but I think in the long run, it's been detrimental 
and it will continue to be so. And as it becomes more and more popular and more and more prevalent and more and more tied into society, that's why I feel the way I feel. Because I'm like, um, you and I might be changing our mind, but it seems the rest of the world is taking a far right turn from where we're going. Well, I, I guess that's part of the reason we do the show, right? And it's, it's, it's actually probably the reason why I'm doing everything I'm doing right now, um, like in the political world or in the business world, is because I'm trying to fight against that tide. I, I realize now that, that my journey through the world is going to be, at least in, in, in some way, focusing on helping people to reestablish that connection again. And, and I, I've never felt a stronger pull to do anything in my life than that. Well, I guess now would be a good time to go into our challenges then. (laughs) (laughs) And it it involves connection too. Um, And it also involves something that uh, you mentioned earlier about my creative self being my happiest self. Um, I will find a collaborator and write a song with them. Awesome. And what's the status of the other one while we're here? Um, I am now three out of five songs deep into the EP. I decided to do a full EP. Um, and I'm just waiting for my studio guy, Ryan Hernandez, who you've inter- interviewed on the show, to come back so we can start working on the, the next few recordings. Coming soon. Yep. Um, but I, re- I, really, I really want to specifically work with someone who's really good at guitar, and I think I might have found my person too. So now it's just a matter of like finding a way to, to, to work with her um, and, and do something really cool. Um, I I don't know why I don't pre-think these ones before we go into the episode. <laughs> um, I you know what I'm gonna, I'm gonna aside from journaling, I am going to write something creatively. Every yes. day are you gonna do, are you gonna go full fiction on it? I don't know. I'm not. It's not something that I plan on sharing. Um, mm. I want to go into it with the freedom to do whatever the hell I want. So Got I it. don't I don't want to think about eyes on it. Um. And, but I think it's 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 due to happen because that's kind of been unincorporated from my life for a little while, just getting everything else settled. And yeah, I was going like to say, like very few of your challenges um, on the podcast thus far have been about creativity at all. Yeah, I haven't had the head, headspace for that yet. Interesting. Um, so I think I'm ready to start dipping my toe back into that. Plus, you know, the last episode when when you weren't able to record, um, I put up a short story. So oh, well. now, now our listeners have actually heard what, well, at least what my writing sounded like about ten years ago. The <laughs> 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 shit Adam and Eve were smoking. Exactly. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> how has that been lost? I can't. I it. I mean, I understand that we, as a, sh- as like you know, shitty human race, have uh, caused and driven things to extinction. But I feel like. that plant has to still exist somewhere. I could probably still get it, but nobody has it. There's no money in it, I guess. You gotta go to like Papua New Guinea. Well, you know, like, isn't that the place where they had like the last tribe that had no idea about the rest of the world? Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's still a few of those tribes out in the world. They've Uh, got it. I hope so. Yeah, they do have it. I gotta go find them. Anyway. um, Look for them on Instagram. (laughs) They got a a page. They got a gram. Um, At me. Um... I think that's a saying these kids have these days. At me, don't yeah, at the me. tech the tech guys on their tech shows. They'll say, "Don't at me about this," but I'm like, oh. is that just is that just saying, "Don't tag me in this shit"? Don't yeah, like don't re- don't don't reply to me or okay. don't tag me. Okay, whatever. Um, but yeah, back to the weed. So I I started you know discussing with you know my f- friends and acquaintances that are a little bit more versed and you know spent more of a, a time partaking and using. And, um, 
understanding the the ins and outs and benefits and different types of uh, cannabis and cannabis related uh, items. And, you know, it started to come to me that, oh, CBD is kind of what is in line with what I'm looking for because the last the time mellow I saw, without the high basically because the last time that 